The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. It's uh, the day after Easter, and we're coming off a breaking news Sunday. Imagine that, only in the NFL. How are you today, sir? I'm doing pretty well. I just wondered, any of your relatives paint the top of that dome and decorate it? No, no, it doesn't look like they, no. they found that Easter egg. So No, they tried, and they regretted it instantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the Ravens, will they regret instantly? Uh, giving Odell Beckham $15 million guaranteed seems like really good money for a guy who has struggled a bit with injuries over recent years. He is reunited with Todd Munkin. He had great success with him in Cleveland, his last 1,000-yard rece- receiving season. Um, what do we think? Just This is a multi-part equation here, so let's start with part one. Odell Beckham is a front-line NFL wide receiver. I'm feeling it, and I don't really care about the, the salary because it just seems like that... Right. There's always outrage every time, and it's usually from people who probably don't know the first thing about salaries anyway. I And I'm not even going to claim to know that I know anything about it. I just look at it as that he is a excellent route runner, still catches the ball well. He actually has a quarterback who will throw the ball accurately in the middle of the field to him, unlike Baker Mayfield. Um, so to me, that's a... Uh, that's a plus right there. He's capable of, of carrying the load for the team um, as long as he can stay healthy. Now, the big issue is that, you know, when you've had some knee injuries in the past and you're getting to a certain age, you know, your body can break down. But I, I'd, I'd be willing to give it a shot. Okay, Lamar Jackson is the other variable in this equation at the moment. Uh, it sounds like he's on board with this. He uh, posted to his social media this last night uh, a FaceTime image from FaceTime chats. Apparently, these two have been in cahoots and speaking to each other and talking about winning uh, Super Bowls together. Is this a genius move by Steve Bashotti, perhaps? The money spent on Odell Beckham uh, saves him some on Lamar. <laughs> it, may, it very well might. Um, and I think that as we've talked about over the past month that we we both think that Lamar is going to was going to wind up a raven no matter what and that this is really all that this is about is I, i'm sure that you know the ravens were like well we'll sweeten the pot a little bit with getting some players that we need to get and when you can match Odell Beckham up with Rashad Bateman two players who are really good after the catch pretty interchangeable in what that they can do um it's a, uh, it, you know, it, it's really nice for what that offense is going to try and do um, in Baltimore and diversifies the unit because really what you've had in the past is you maybe had one guy who could possibly be the primary, but you didn't have anybody who was really rugged over the middle until Bateman came over and Bateman's been banged up a little bit early in his career. So this is a, you know, this is a really nice addition and, you know, I, I expect we'll, we're going to hear about Jackson signing um, no later than June. <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, may drag this out a little bit. The negotiations are always fun. We'll we'll be watching this. I feel both of your answers, Matt Waldman. I'm fucking neither. 
Um, so let's get into some uh, a little rookie talk. By the way, the rookie scouting portfolio is available now. Matt, tell them where they can get that. Yep, you can get you can get the blue whale of draft guides over at uh, mattwaldman.com. Um, it is um, eleven hundred and sixty-two pages, sixty-four pages, excuse me. Um, and you get a pre-draft and a post-draft guide. You also get put on a newsletter that keeps you updated on what I think of some of these 2023 prospects, as well as guys from recent classes and future classes. Um, MattWaldman.com, 2195. I mean, again, it's like hooking a blue whale with like, you know, with a tackle, with tackle box. I mean, you know, you're not... It's pretty insane. So I think you'll enjoy it. MattWaldman.com, $21.95. I enjoyed it immensely. I highly recommend it. And so let's talk uh, talk some rookies. Anthony Richardson. Uh, so former uh, GM. Is he a real GM or is he just like an assistant GM or something? I don't know. Michael Lombardi uh, has asserted that Anthony Richardson's top five value is absurd squared. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I'm going to have something out at Football Guys. Um, dot com where I'm going to give a sample scouting report on Richardson as well as some extended thoughts on Michael Lombardi. But I'll share a couple here, which is this is, you know, I don't have anything against Michael Lombardi. He, he, he was credited for finding Charles Haley, who was a, you know, hall of fame defensive end, but really the only two quarterbacks he's been involved with that were first round picks um, when he was a GM were Jamarcus Russell and Johnny Manziel. Um, and he also, you know, panned quarterbacks like oh, Ryan Tannehill, Donovan McNabb, um, you know, there are a few others, I believe, that have Cam Newton, I believe, was one of them as well. So, you know, when you look at that, what I think about with Michael Lombardi is not so much the mistakes he made as much as that he's representative of the GM thought, which is that they they look at Anthony Richardson and I don't think they understand. They're, they tend to look at bullet points. Scouts tend to look at the film, the analytics, the interviews, and put it all together. The GMs, the executives want that keep it simple, stupid method. And it, it spawns from really a guy who was far from stupid, but it was Bill Parcells and his rules for scout for scouting quarterbacks. And when you look at those rules of like the had to graduate from school, had to start for at least two to three years, needed a 60x percent completion rate, needed to have a certain number of wins or inter touchdowns, interceptions. This is from a guy from like 30 years ago, basically, who who essentially was a defensive minded head coach who needed some guardrails for how he picked quarterback. Okay, and that's fine because when you look at it now and you look at the exceptions to the rule that include guys like Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, there are so many guys that you can look at and say, Aaron Rodgers, I believe, was one of them, that you can, you can look at that and say, oh, so basically what this does is it keeps you from making big fuck-ups but at the same time, it keeps you away from actually the people who are exceptional, who you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to build a team around and win a Super Bowl or be in the AFC, in the championship games multiple times. And so when I look at Lombardi, and I'll wrap it up this way, is that um, Anthony Richardson has that chance to be exceptional because what he does on film, what he does when you look at advanced stats, what you know, 
and and Lombardi said it's absurd squared because when he said I looked at the film, the first name out of his mouth was Malik Willis. Let me tell you something. The way that Lombardi talked about, you know, how he frames his things into keep it simple bullets points, that's absurd. The way that he's watching film and missing out on advanced quarterbacking with Anthony Richardson, absurd squared. And the fact that his only insight was Malik Willis, who is nothing like um, Anthony Richardson, other than on the most superficial level, I would say that Michael Lombardi's assertion is absurd cubed. So uh, the, the TLDR version of that, for those of you out there, Matt Waldman, fuck Michael Lombardi. Or, or, or fuck his idea it, about let, that. Let me put or it, all let me, GMs. Let me put it more. Let me put yeah. it more. Let me put it more pleasantly. Right. Uh, Michael Lombardi is no Mike Mayock. No Mike Mayock. <laughs> 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 it's a low bar. No, I'm setting a low bar. All right. Peter King. Uh, today, I believe, was added to Chris Mortensen's reporting that momentum towards the Panthers drafting Bryce Young is real. Are you feeling Bryce Young as the first pick overall? I'm feeling any one of those three quarterbacks, but fuck the idea that we're actually that um, that the media actually knows who it is during the silliest season of pre-draft stuff. Because remember Mac Jones and San Francisco. I mean, I, I think we look at this stage, and we don't know for sure. Um, but I I I would say is the possibility real? Absolutely, because Bryce Young is good enough to be one of the top three quarterbacks in this class. Um, he could be a nice fit for a team that's still building its offensive line, needs a little bit more of a playmaker. But at the same time, you can look at the coaching staff there and think, ooh, C.J. Stroud would probably be an ideal fit. You know, you would probably see why a guy like Reich would probably want that, you know, want more of a guy like Stroud. But then again, the ownership, again, because they, they approach things where they don't look at the tape, they might go, we want butts and seats. And we want a little bit of that flash factor, um, which can sometimes go the route of taking Johnny Manziel when you actually have, you know, maybe somebody who who might fit better with what the coaching staff wants to do. I feel like there's been a lot of Johnny Manziel slander here. I should defend him, but I don't have a lot of I like right Johnny. Now. I got to be honest. I like Johnny on the field and what he could have evolved into, but he didn't <clears> want to put in the work off the field. I think that was the biggest thing with him. I'll just add to this. I talked to Augusta Stone of the team's official website, very nice lady, um, who basically said she doesn't She doesn't think. She went to every one of the pro days with the team contingent. She was impressed with the number of Panthers personnel, people who were taken to each trip. I mean, she thinks they're putting a lot of thought into this and that the final decision has not actually been made. I probably think it has, but they're doing their due diligence. But again, we will find all that out on Thursday. I believe it's April 27th and, uh, and, and not a minute before, but we get to speculate in advance and we love doing that. So let's speculate some more on some more rookies. I'm feeling that, Matt. Antoine Green is a late round target in Dynasty Drafts, the University of North Carolina wide receiver. I think he is. I think if you're in a deeper league that Antoine Green should be on your list. He's not a, he's kind of a forgotten man um, right now. You know, you Josh Downs is the guy in North Carolina everybody's going to be thinking about. But Green's kind of two to three years down the line. I think he can become a full, um, how a, a fully dimensional wide receiver. He's known as a deep threat right now, but I think there's more to his game than that. And people should keep an eye out for him and, and definitely monitor his game over the next one to two years because I think he will find his way climbing up a depth chart. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I guess uh, we're going to have a lot of these players like this. Let's go ahead and do another one. Mitchell Tinsley, a deep sleeper in Dynasty Leagues. He is the Penn State wide receiver. Yeah, and before that, he was Bailey Zappi's main man, um, even maybe a little more so than Jareth Stearns, who everybody was kind of like, ooh, he's a sleeper and kind of on the back of the, the Buccaneers depth chart at, or as a futures contract kind of guy um, on a practice squad at best. But um, Tinsley, Tinsley's more of a slot receiver. Um, he's He has really good hands. He's tough at the catch point. Um, he's not a, a top athlete, but I think that he could be an interesting player if he finds his way into a slot role. I would say, fuck it, he's not a he's not a um, guy you're going to want to draft. Um, but I would be feeling him as someone that, if you have, um, you know, if he has a good training camp, and he makes a he makes a practice squad this year, that maybe for next year you want to keep an eye out for him. <clears throat> uh, this just in, Bob Harris not an actual draft nick, so I'm not. I'm not fuck it to argue with anything Matt Walvin says about rookies. That's my position at the moment. Isaiah Bowser, the running back, uh, is it Central Florida? Uh, is he worth monitoring this summer? Is like I'm I'm guessing from what you're saying here, it sounds like maybe an undrafted free agent to watch. Probably so, because he played at Northwestern. He's a big back, um, you know, in that 225 to 30 range. Um, he has good burst. He's just had a ton of injuries. Um, after play and had had to transfer to University of Central Florida, but I think there's enough to his game that if he can stay healthy, that's the big thing. If he can stay healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a roster and surprises due to injuries down the line. So he's a guy that you're going to want to remember his name, I think, during the off season and just see if if he stays healthy through the through the summer. He's one of those guys you put on your waiver wire Rolodex because he might find himself thrust into a lineup. Mohamed Ibrahim, a running back out of Minnesota. I'm not feeling him. It's, and and I wanted to, but I know a lot of people feel like that this is a, a good football player. I saw a comp from him, I believe, this week to Khalil Herbert. And I just don't... To me, Mohamed Ibrahim doesn't have... He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the... Um, well, the size is there, but he doesn't really have the burst or the change of direction quickness. Um, and I think that he's a good, really good college football player who's going to wind up being that guy who gets two to three touches a game for a team at best. And it's usually only going to be that way if there's a if there's a you know a starter who's injured. There's a back out of a. There's a back in for the Carolina Panthers who's in that role right now. Who, and I'm trying to remember his name, but he's a I want I want to say Anthony Johnson. I don't remember his name, but he's a he's certainly one of those guys that kind of fits that bill with uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. I'll think of that guy's name in a minute here. All right. Well, well while you're thinking of that, I, by the way, I'm just going to say I totally feel Golden Gophers as a mascot. I don't know where they came up with that. I don't know how you combine the golden with the gopher because I don't think of gold when I think of gophers, but it's a great, great team name. That's all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm with you. Totally with you. All right. Uh, at 225 pounds, Chris Rodriguez, a bigger running back out of Kentucky. Uh, does he have starter upside in the NFL? I don't think so. I think he's more Benny Snell. And now there are still people who still think that Benny Snell has starter upside in the NFL, but I would say 
um, fuck that idea. I'm I'm more in line with Chris Rodriguez being kind of a, um, you know, a guy who's going to be able to develop as a blocker. He's a powerful runner. He has some decent footwork, but I don't think the burst and acceleration is really there with his game. And there are and because of the way the position is, there's just too much talent every year coming in and out to believe that. Um, Rodriguez is going to be able to make a mark as anything more than a reserve who gets maybe committee touches if if you know the top guy gets hurt. Uh, tight end class. I think everybody's feeling uh, the rookie tight end class this year. It's deep and has some really good quality. Uh, one of the names that you're not going to hear a lot though is Daniel Barker. He's an RSP favorite. Why? Yeah. Uh, listen, Illinois was where he started. Finished up at Michigan State. He's he kind of reminds me of Delaney Walker a bit in terms of size, maybe a, bigger than Walker, but a good route runner, excellent hands, makes good. He he really understands how to adjust his body last second to avoid big hits and earn the ball in tight situations. Um, he's not a great runner after the catch like Walker, so it's not a perfect stylistic comparison. Um, but he is a nice blocker and he gets good he has good short area movement he can hold up a little bit against um, edge defenders in, in the college game which I think can extend to the pro game um, so I think he's one of those guys that you you know he may start his career in his first contract as that third tight end works his way up to the number two spot starts getting more and more touches in two tight end sets and becomes a reliable receiver and second contract Next thing you know, he's either um, a sought-after second tight end who works his way into a number one, like Tyler Conklin, thinking about you know someone like that with the Jets, um, or gets a first. He gets a um, you know he gets a starting role with his second contract overall. There you have it. I'm all about RSP favorites. Uh, I have dynasty deep dynasty rosters loaded with many of them, and uh, and waiting for some of them to pan out. Some of them already have. Uh, let's move away from the rookie portion of the festivities for now. Well, I remind everybody the RSP is available now. Go to mattwaldman.com to order yours. I got mine, and I'm very happy. 1163 pages of detailed info. Exactly the stuff you're after. The things you need. If you're like me, watching NFL football during the football season, and you don't really know everything about these rookies you need to know beyond the name, this is how you know, get to know everything you need to know. The RSP. Buy it now. I'm Bob Harris. Uh, Trey Lance. <laughs> Trey Lance is trading with Patrick Mahomes. That has to be good news for somebody. Um, also, Matt, according to Twitter, uh, he threw a really nice pass uh, during one of these workouts. Uh, are you feeling that really nice pass as an indication that Trey Lance's entire future has turned around? Um, no, not not in the oh, least. Damn it. But damn but it. I but I'm feeling <laughs> Trey Lance, and I've always been feeling Trey Lance, and nothing's really changed just because of the ups and downs with that. In the same way, I'm not feeling Trey Lance's really nice pass. I'm not feeling Justin um, right. Ross's clap attack as as an indication that he sucks with his hands because we only does. saw it once. No, oh, he does. He's, he can catch. He can catch very well. So. Uh, I'm going to say, I heard from somebody who was at training camp last summer. He was still a pretty reputable person. I will go ahead and throw his name out here. Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, who covers the Chiefs, has for a while. He just said he didn't really see it last summer. I mean, he was wanting to see something while, while he was on the field. And so we'll see what becomes of Justin Ross. But we will say this in Kansas City. 
they're they're just trolling people now. Adding Richie James, everyone's out there. What about Odell Beckham? I'm what about what about DeAndre Hopkins? They're just keep adding pieces because why they have Patrick Mahomes people. Yeah. They don't care what you think they need at wide receiver. That's right. All they need is competent people who can get open a little bit. And Richie James apparently fitting that bill. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of with you on Trey Lance. I was just half joking with this entire thing because the hysteria yeah the slow motion over and over of that pass compared side by side with last year's motion it was a single pass could, could, do you feel like do you feel like sometimes how about this are you feeling that twitter is like mall cops reviewing like a, a security <laughs> tape of like something that happened and trying to be investigator private investigators uh the thought of twitter being any kind of cop horrifies me uh <laughs> speaking of law enforcement issues uh misdemeanor aggravated menacing charges have been refiled against joe mixon they talked about this apparently brandished a weapon or something um but beyond that based on the previous comments at the owners meeting a week or so ago katie blackburn the executive vice president of the team uh basically said you know there's a whole range of possibilities for joe mixon's future i think some of those include joe mixon not being a bengal are you feeling his future in cincy I think it's a long plank, a medium plank, and a short plank, and he's going to be walking it no matter what in the direction of the sea. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty much over for him in Cincinnati. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a shame and and that that you know that Mixon has had these had has these issues, and you know, I think that it's important to note that when players have some of the issues that you know displayed some of the things that he displayed in high school or early college um certainly you know you want to give room for maturity and growth and the opportunity to learn from mistakes um and and give them that chance but this was a case where it looks like that Mixon really hasn't learned and and you know i think <clears throat> what's coming to him is people are gonna pretty much is going to be expected Beyond all that, let's you know, kind of frame this in a bigger picture kind of thing. You know, the the like the franchise tag number for running backs, ten million, lower than every other offensive skill position. Essentially, Austin Eckler feeling punched in the face that the Chargers are interested in giving giving him more than Miles Sanders money. Miles Sanders only getting Austin Eckler money. It seems like uh, running backs are just totally viewed as a fungible commodity. Uh, is that how you think they should be viewed? Or is there a train waiting at every station? At this stage, it is, and it's a shame. I mean, I, um, it's, one of the, it's one of the tougher positions to play at an extremely high level um, because of the punishment that they take, um, because of the amount of things that a, good, that a top running back can do, um, and the fact that there's always a high level of competition looking over the – you know, basically coming over from the um, from the from the college game, the backs are always looking over their shoulder. Um, so it's a it's a tough deal, and especially for guys who can put up elite production but don't fit maybe the profile of what people think of or owners think of as an elite back. Um, so it's a tough it's a tough thing, and I don't think it's going to get any better because there you know it's. It's still you still have to be one of the best athletes on the field to be a running back, and also they're discovering that the closer you are to the middle of the field, the more you have to process quickly as a football player. And they're discovering that running backs are really you know the top running backs are great processors, but they piecemealed the position. So now it's just like you know instead of like building a you know building a car 
you know, by hand and doing it in a way where you've, you're a real craftsperson making that machine. It's like Henry Ford, you, you know, and that's basically, you know, what you've got going on here. It's like, well, we can get this back to do this and this back to do this and this back to do these things. And that devalues it as well. I am not on any of these, but running back group texts uh, across the land lit up with Jeffrey Simmons, a four-year, $93 million contract, I can assure you. <laughs> they, they're, they're noticing these things. Uh, one last one here, Matt. Kyler Murray's rehab seems to be progressing. We saw some video of him doing squats. Imagine that. His ADP, though, in early best ball drafts has him going as quarterback 14. Do you feel that? Does that seem a little high with the uncertainty, or are you good with that playing the upside? I'm feeling that playing the upside just because um, it's not so expensive that you're you're counting him as a quarterback one in most formats. Um, so if as long as you're not in a 16-team setup, I would probably feel okay about Kyler Murray in that in that range, just because you're hoping that by year year end he is going to be playing at a level that's worth that. Um, at the same time, it also makes it worthwhile enough to say, nah, I'm not taking him at all. all right. and, that, and that's basically where I would be. Right. So, I mean, I will just put in some context. The, running, the quarterbacks currently in best ball 10 is going off right after him. Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Matt's favorite, Trey Lance. Um, I take I mean, all of those guys. Over I'd Kyle probably Murray. take all those guys over <laughs> Kyler Murray right now, but we don't have yeah. all. You know, this is the thing about drafting early, Matt. And I'm in a bunch of best balls. I'm well, well up into the double digit numbers at this point. And uh, and I think you do these drafts acknowledging that you don't have all the information you need to do these drafts, right? It's more yeah. about just you know getting a feel for for me, getting a feel for you know what values are, how people view players, where I can get players. So when the drafts come around in August. I mean, it's happening. My head is clicking and I'm up to speed, but it's also just a good exercise uh, to see how people view players news. You can see kind of the instant reactions to things going on in the form of ADP during drafts. You can see players going right after things happen, kind of get, get into the minds of fellow drafters. But yeah, for me right now, I'm probably playing a little safer. Let's, I might have a share or two of Murray, but I don't need to overinvest until I get full information. Let's do a bonus question for you, Bob. And that's, that's just the idea of player salaries. Do you get, do you get, tangled up in that whole idea of how how much these guys get paid do you find that important as a fantasy guy uh yes and no i mean it's not definitive i mean a good player is still a good player a good player in a good situation is still a good player in a good situation right i'm chasing opportunities and uh, anticipated workloads and you know maybe salary comes into play if i'm early out like like let's look at carolina where they picked up two wide receivers they got adam Thielen, paid him a little more DJ Chark, they went after him second. You know, you kind of factor those things in, but they're both essentially free square plays in early best ball. So I'll take whichever one's going later. But I mean, I think those those are the kind of things that factor in a little bit when you're looking at some of these players. Maybe you're looking at Dalvin Cook and you're looking at what Alexander Madison got paid more than, you know, what Dalvin Cook got paid and thinking, wow, maybe his future is not in Minnesota. And we've heard reporting suggesting that as well. So I think that's where the salaries come in. Do I think something is realistic for a player or is another player making the kind of money that suggests a greater role for them? I think those, you know, you kind of you kind of work those into the equation. But again, when you're drafting in March, before the NFL draft, before you have uh, definitely all the information necessary on player injury recoveries, et cetera, you're projecting things out and you're, you're making some guesses. And, and you know what, people, that's okay. You can do that. It's still fun. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Well, I always enjoy the hell out of getting to talk with you, Bob Harris. 
Yeah, that's why you should. Ah! <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you. Goodbye. <laughs>